Blog Talk Radio. Shout. 
Welcome to our newest edition of Prayer International. Um, we have a lot to get through tonight, depending on the grace that God gives us. Um, there's a lot that God's put on my heart. There's a lot that God's put on Chris's heart. And so we will start by saying, God, have your way. Holy Spirit, come in to the hearts of every single person listening whether listening live through the broadcast, whether they listen through an audio recording, whether they listen through Twitter or Facebook, whether they're listening on the other side of the world 10 years from now. Holy Spirit, take your words and make them best in their lives. Father, every song, Father, and let it bring you glory. Father, Open the hearts of every single person listening. Father, draw them closer to you. The only way we can come to you is if you draw us. Father, for every single person listening, Lord, open the eyes of their understanding that they may be flooded with light. And know the hope of their calling, Father, that you would enlighten their hearts to understand the purpose that you have put on them. The place that they have in Christ Jesus, seated in heavenly places with him. Father, let them understand the gift of the Holy Spirit, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship we have with the Holy Spirit, who Jesus, you said, will take of what is yours and declare it unto us, who would take you and declare you unto us to give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the light of all men. Father, we give you honor. We give you glory. Father, we lay our lives down for you, Father. Even our own bodies, Father, we present to you as a living sacrifice. Father, our minds, our thoughts, we give to you as a living sacrifice. Our ears, we give to you to hear your words to us. Father, our mouths, we commit to you to speak only the things that you have spoken. Father, that you would take us and put us in a place, Father, where we begin to act like Jesus. Father, that we would have the revelation of being Christ-like. Father, not just in word, Father, but also in deed, also in character, also in our attitude, Father, in our convictions, in our character that our lives would be transformed into your image, Father, so we can be one with you. So, um, thank you, Jesus. So there was, me and um, Chris were talking earlier today um, over Indian food because you know he loves Indian food and so I was like uh, I brought up the elephant story which I, I was shocked he didn't know but uh, and I assume most of you probably have heard it 
but I'm going to tell it anyway because he told me to tell it because it sort of relates um, to our lives as Christians, our lives, um, our relationships with God, our lives in the world, how we go about our lives, the day-to-day. I mean, the Bible says we're to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. And, you know, I've been going through this series about um, the battles, our spiritual battles in our heads and the strongholds that the enemy creates in our thought lives. And so, and then some of the other things we're going to get into uh, tonight, willing. Um, so the elephant story, really simple, and it's something that kids that you, that kids know and stuff. But anyway, so if you're in a circus, um, which they used to have a lot here in the United States, if you ever want to train an elephant, um, there's all sorts of ways to do it, but what I heard is, is that you take a really young, almost a baby elephant. And once you have it, you tie one of its feet to a pole and it doesn't have to even be a great pole. It can be like a piece of wood or whatever, even a small metal stake. And you tie its, its high leg to a pole um, with a rope or something. So it can, it can still move around and everything. And then when you're going to do the show, you take, you untie and you, then when it's done, you put it back on the pole. Anyway, and so as the elephant grows, it develops in strength, and it gains muscle and size and mass. And but if it stays, it stays connected to this pole, and it becomes this pole becomes part of the elephant's life. It becomes part of its understanding about the way life is. Its whole life has been a struggle to escape this pole, but it can't do it, so it gets used to this pole in its life. That holds it down and at some point in the future this elephant is um i mean massive elephant um i don't remember i don't know how many tons they weigh but it's a lot and elephants are huge and they're i mean they're not scary but if they're running at you yeah they are um but even a, a full-size element could ease any kind of pole out of the ground but they won't because they're so used to being tied down to this obstacle that even though the strength that they have in them is far greater than the pole itself, they their whole life is taught them that this is their um this is the boundary. And so, you know, in our lives as Christians, we um we come to God and he begins to work in our character. He begins to work in our thought life. He begins to change us from the inside out. He begins to cleanse us with the washing of the water of the word. And, you know, our sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I mean, our whole past, our history is wiped away. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we have the guarantee of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit who has sealed us to the day of redemption. Our future is secured. But from then until, from now until then, we have purpose. We have the plans and the purposes of God, which he prepared beforehand for us to walk in them, the good works, which he has prepared for us to do. And each one of us have a unique calling, a unique relationship with father. You know, I have a, 
couple children, and with each one of them, they're different. Each one of them respond differently. Each one of them have a unique personality and unique character traits, and my relationship to each one of the kids is differently. The discipline's differently. The encouragement's different, and our relationship with God is just like that. And so... And so God, to slowly, he starts pouring out grace into our life and the anointing of the Holy Spirit as much as we can handle, as much as we're, and I, I don't even want to say as much as we can handle, but as much as we're willing to honor, as much as we're willing to give. And, but there's always these obstacles of the world that we have to get rid of. There's these bondages and the chains that we don't realize that we're no longer tied to because when born again, all of that died in an instant. And it says that we died with Christ and we're raised with him in the resurrection of life to consider ourselves dead, sin, and alive to God. But many Christians go about their lives struggling against a barrier that is invisible because it's not even really there, but it's only there in our mind. And so it hinders us from fulfilling all that God wants us to do and completely having, walking in the anointing that God wants for us. And so we have to learn to, you know, Jesus said, I only say, I've only said what I heard my father say. I've only speak what my father tells me to speak. I only do what I saw him do in the Holy Spirit the same way. He only does what Jesus says. He only tells us those things from the father. And we have to begin to transform our mind, to transform our thought process, to be his thought process. You know, a way I like to put it is, you know, we believe in the gifts uh, and the ministry and we believe in prophecy and teaching and there's pastors and evangelists. And, you know, we can take the gift of prophecy, which is a specific gift, but I believe that all Christians prophesy. All all of us have the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus dead dwelling on this inside of us. And we all have the ability to hear the voice of the Father. He's always talking. He's always around. You know, I would joke with my friends, and it's like, it's it's weird because, you know, and we've said this before, but, you know, when you're in church and, I mean, outside of worship and when you're in your friends or whatever and you're talking about God, it's like we always talk about God in the third person as if he wasn't in the room. When the Bible says, where can I, David said, where can I your presence. I mean, where can I flee from your presence? Everywhere he is there. And we need to begin to set our minds where Christ is seated at the right hand of Father. Understanding the place he has for us. So I'm going to Turn over to Ephesians and read something real fast. 
you know, our desire here for every one of these episodes is to, for all, everybody there, A, if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. If you do know him and you're fallen, you need to come back because he abundantly pardoned. It's always our sin. It says God's hand is not short that it cannot save, but our sins have turned us away from God. So if you're far off, I mean, it says he came preach, came and preached peace to those who were far and those who were near. As far away as you are, you can't outrun the presence of God. And he longs for his children. He longs for intimacy. He longs for fellowship with his children. All you have to do is turn around and realize he's still there. Heaven and earth may vanish. The universe could disappear in a puff of smoke. And the one thing that remains is the El Shaddai. He is unchanging. It says in Ephesians, you know, going into who we are, and who we are, it's not always about our what we do. It's not always about the works of our hands. I mean, we're called to good to good works, but you know, sometimes going back to like hearing the voice of God, you know, I. With my wife, we've known each other. We've been married eight years, going on, I don't know, 100. I mean, she's my good thing that God gave me. And because the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But, you know, I know what she's going to say before she says it. Like when she just looks at me and I know she wants me to get some coffee or make coffee or whatever it is. I know her so well that... I almost know the thoughts that are going to come out of her mouth before she says them. And, you know, when you have intimacy with the Lord, things start to change. Your thought, not only does your thought process change, but your heart changes. And you find yourself doing things that are completely unworldly, things that in they may not seem like giving to the poor and helping the needy and, you know, just being is something that's not natural for humans you know we're not I mean we're called to be givers as Christians but it becomes a natural part of your character because he's a giver because we take on his characteristics we take on his personality we start speaking things that come from him without us even realizing it because we're on the same page with him. Our hearts are in sync with him. And so we can go out to the nations and go out to the world and speak to them the love of Jesus. But it says in Ephesians, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You know, it says we don't even know everything that was put under his feet. It says, I mean, it talks about he'll do extremely abundantly above all that we can ask or think. The Bible says that 
mind is not seen nor hear heard, nor is entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You know, it says here in Ephesians, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and things that we can't even comprehend. You know, it's funny when me and my one of my old friends, Angela, we used to sit around and we used to talk about how great it would be like in the days of the Old Testament where an angel of the Lord would just show up, but not even the angel of the Lord, but God himself would show up and not even realizing that the Bible says no one shall see him until we're there and in our spiritual bodies. But we have no concept of what it's like in heaven. We have no concept of his glory his train filling the temple. This is the cherubim that circle around the throne crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And when they, every time, even the cherubim speak the walls and everything shake and the room is filled with smoke and his voice is as a sound of many waters. And I don't think we can really comprehend the magnificence of the Father. You know, Jesus, when you look at him, it's just light. Because in the beginning was the Word. This is in the beginning, God said, let there be light. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. But it says, just as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world because he had a plan before the world was even formed pour out his love upon us to have this fellowship we have with him even though the Bible says what is man that you are mindful of him but it says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters, for that matter, by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. It goes on in verse 11 to say, In him we have also obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, According to the counsel of his will. It says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. To the praise of his glory. 
you know, one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible is um, all the way back in Exodus. And, you know, there's all sorts of things. You know, Jesus said, up until now, you've asked, he told his disciples, up until now, you've asked nothing. Ask me whatever you will, and I'll give it to you that the Father is glorified. And that your joy is full. And it's like, you know, I always go back to this verse. And, you know, Moses and all the children of Israel are going through, or had just been delivered out of Egypt, and they're going through the desert. And, you know, it says in, let me back up on to, this is uh, Exodus 33, 7. It says, Moses took its tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. Each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar door, the pillar of cloud descended, stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man into his door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And he returned to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. (laughs) Joshua would not depart from the tabernacle. You ever get in the presence of God and everything in the world just fades away and your mind is just fixed on his glory. Your mind is just fixed on his presence. The Bible says in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Anyway, it says in verse 12, and then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. Yo, you have said, I know you by name, and you also have grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, and that I might find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And the father said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You know, we're called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, to the nations. And at the same time, we're called to have continual, everlasting fellowship with the father. You know, we talk about heaven and which is going to be awesome. But if we get up there and we can't even recognize him, what's the point? Because our relationship with the Father, our relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit shouldn't change that much from now till then. We should be so close to him that when the time comes and this body passes away, And we stand before him. 
we're so familiar. You know, that's what I love more than anything because, you know, like if you are a parent or if you're married, um, you can be in a crowded supermarket or on a street and someone will call your name and you'll hear it over a loud crowd, over a deafening roar. You can just recognize your name because you recognize the voice of the person you love. And we're called to be that close to him, to be able to hear his voice speak into our lives, speak love to us, to give us direction, to give us guidance. But that only comes when you're willing to lay down your thought life, willing to sacrifice and consecrate yourself to him, to give everything to him, to give him your body, to give him your mind, to give him your thoughts. So that way there's nothing of this world that can distract you. There's no obstacle. There's no barrier. There's no strongholds that can distract you from the love of God, from hearing his voice. Because it's not always about going into your secret place, and there's always a, there's always a purpose for that. And one of the most valuable times you'll ever have is when you just go and you lock yourself away from everybody else. Because there's a corporate anointing, but then there's a special anointing when you're by yourself in your closet, like Jesus said, and you shut the door and you just stand before him. And you just gaze up into heaven and your eyes meet. But we're called not to just go into the closet or go into the secret place or go into the church and then into the corporate anointing. Because it's great when we go and we can experience the presence of God like that. But we're called to carry the mantle of his anointing, the mantle of his presence through the Holy Spirit in us, coming out of us like fountains of urban water. We're called to carry that presence everywhere we go. So everywhere we go, the presence and the atmosphere around us change. And not because of us, but because of our relationship with him. Just like Peter walking down the street, and people would know that at this time and this time, Peter went here, and they would just bring their sick and their lame, and they would just lay them down for his shadow to touch him. And as Bill Johnson says, your shadow will always, will always reveal that which overshadows you. It will always manifest that which overshadows you and your presence should manifest the presence of Jesus. Everywhere you go, every person you talk to, whether it's the gas station or church or whether it's your job, continually in your heart worshiping the Lord, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Because we are called to be worshipers. We're called to be his children. Sometimes we get so caught up, we need to do this and we need to do this. And I really want to have this ministry and this ministry. And, you know, if God called you and God put his anointing on you, it doesn't matter where you go. I mean, we can we can be obedient to him, but it doesn't matter where you go, because when his presence follows you, everywhere you go, you'll have the signs and wonders following you. 
Anyway, we're going to go into a small time of worship, and then we'll be back.
Welcome back, everybody. So I'm going to get into a little bit more scripture in a minute, but, it, you know, it's funny. Um, I was listening to a sermon with Bill Johnson, and he was talking about the Garden of Eden, and the there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, and God's like, you can touch this one, but don't touch this one. And he was talking about how God had to put both trees in there because he is a rewarder because the Bible says those who come to him must believe that he is. And everybody believes he is, even the demons believe and tremble. But we have to believe that he is, and we also have to believe that he is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. And so in times in our lives, he gives us choices for the sole purpose of rewarding us because if there wasn't a wrong decision to make, there's way, no way to reward the good choice you know he's calling us individually and as a body of believers in these last times and you really need to believe that we're in the last times and the trumpets are about to sound and the heavens part and he's going to come back and you know the whole world is like this chessboard that's falling into place and the scriptures are being fulfilled You know, they said, the disciples said, our salvation is closer now than when he first appeared. But, you know, I want to charge you that to find your identity, you know, we've been studying about walking and your anointing. You know, it's easy to go to church and listen to sermons and be completely on fire from God and then see some man of God out there, whether it's an amazing preacher or it's a prophet or evangelist or some great musician and be like, I really want to be like them to the point where you try to emulate them and you try to do everything like them. And, but God has, when he sealed you with the Holy spirit, and he poured his presence upon you. He puts a special plan and a purpose. He told Jeremiah, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. You know, let me turn there it's in just a minute. But he said, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Going to go to Jeremiah once. I'm taking a small detour. But in verse 4 of Jeremiah 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Jeremiah said, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you will go to all of whom I send you. And whatever I command you to speak, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put his, forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, this day I have set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And the point is, is that for each one of us, God has an anointing that he's put on your life and a plan and a purpose that is unique to you. So we should be like 
Jesus and be like yourself because there's something so special about your purpose and the Father and the plans that he has for you and the anointing that you have for the works that he has prepared for you, for nobody else, for the people that you're going to touch that nobody else will ever touch. You know, it says in uh, John chapter 10, I'm going to go back some. It says, now this was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch and the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And the funny thing about this is when Jesus, when Jesus was like, who do men say that I am? And they're like, some say you're Elijah and some say you're the prophet. And he turned and they said, but and he said to his disciples, but who you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, you didn't get that on your own. That is something that the father revealed to you. And when you're spending time with him and when you're seeking his face, he is going to reveal the mysteries of his character and his nature to you, which obviously the um, Pharisees hadn't figured out. But Jesus answered them and said, I told you, you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me, and I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone, anyone, not the devil, not your enemies, not legions of armies, not sin, not death, nothing can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. You know, he said, I and my father are one, talking about the relationship he had. But then if you turn over to verse 17, and I'll read this. Um, it says, Jesus, this is Jesus praying to the father before he, before everything happens and he's crucified. He's praying and he says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them, and have known that surely I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, 
but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those who have you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of destruction that the scripture is fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you would keep them for the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but for all of those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And the world may know that you have sent me and have loved and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me be were be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. And you know, the greatest thing about this is Jesus said, the world has nothing in me. The enemy comes, and there's nothing in me. Because Jesus knew his place. He knew that even though he was in the world, he wasn't of the world. His citizenship wasn't of the world. His father was in heaven. His family was in heaven. He knew he belonged in heaven. He knew that was his place even before the foundation of the world when everything was created by him, for him, and through him. He knew his place. His real home was in heaven. And he knew that he was almost, he was a different species than the world itself, as it were. But then he says, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Jesus himself saying and declaring that you are not of this world. That while we're here, our nature, our character, our very life is hidden in Christ Jesus. Seated in the heavenly places with him.
We're here, God, because your promise has been fulfilled in us. We're here, God, because when we seek you, we find you. God, when we ask, we receive. When we knock on the door, you answer it. Your word is alive. Your word is alive today. It is truth. It is everything.
So we're going to go back into worship in just a minute, but, you know, I want to throw out a, I'm like sort of torn between two different directions of what to say, but let me just throw some stuff out here. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, going back to us being one with the Lord, you know, Jesus said that when a man and woman come together and are married, they're, they become one flesh and not to be separated. And we, as his children, as the bride of Christ, have become one, joined with him. And in this earth, I mean, even in our daily lives, I mean, constantly having the remembrance that we're one with Christ. So that every action, every word, every thought, is with the intent purpose to bring him glory so that we don't grieve his Holy Spirit so that we're following steadfast. You know, the Bible says a man will plays in ways in the Lord or your steps and commit yourself to the Lord and he'll direct your steps. But to begin to walk with him, not just walk for him, not just live your life for God, but to do it with him, just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And, you know, they walked with God and they had the fellowship with the Lord and, you know, every single day with him, the same fellowship, the same relationship that was restored to us when we became children of God, when our sins were put on the cross with him. You know, that same opening when the temple and the veil of the temples was ripped in two, signifying that the glory of God and the presence of God was no longer bound into a box in a room that only a priest could go in once a year, but declaring to the world presence would be upon men that his presence would be poured out as the scripture said in the last day I'll pour out my my spirit upon all flesh the same Holy Spirit who it says will declare the Father to us Um, I was going to go into the watchtowers on the wall and while I'm flipping to the next scripture you know it's true I mean God in these times is and has been in the past calling men and women who will stand in the place before his throne, crying out day and night to him, standing in the gap, standing between him and the nations, declaring the words of the Lord to the nations and interceding on behalf of the nations to the Father. You know, it says in Isaiah 62, 6, it says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem, and they will never be silent day or night. You who call upon the Lord, give yourself no rest. And, you know, in going back to our battle being a spiritual battle, everything around us is a spiritual battle. We were warring against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age, which he has already overcome. 
but we have to stand fast and speak the truth and declare the truth. You know, I heard someone say earlier that, you know, our thoughts when when we believe or give place to the words of the enemy and the lies of the enemy, which is anything that stands in opposition to the word of God. You know, as I heard someone say, we can't afford to entertain any thoughts in our head contrary to what the Father we can't we can't have any thoughts about us that are contrary to the thoughts that he has about us. And too many times we let the world and the enemy come in and speak to us and tell us who we are and tell it give us doubts and fears. But we need to begin to see ourselves as he sees us. And the only way to do that is through his word. And he's the word. As one of my old friends used to say, if you're blind and you can't read the Bible, just read Jesus, who is the word of God. And we do all that through the Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus said, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of what is mine and declare it unto you. You know, um, I love um, studying the universe, and I watched this whole series, um, and I don't remember the name of the guy, but this whole series about um, how big the different planets and the solar system are, and, you know, you think of like the world and the earth being the extent of it until you get out into the actual universe and you see the works of his hands and you find out that the universe is far bigger and than any of us could ever even comprehend. I mean, our planet is like a tiny little speck and the vast scope of the universe. And, you know, it's in the first time I actually um, saw this video, I didn't even know how to talk to God because I, you know, we talk about like standing before him and like that song by mercy me says, I can only imagine what it's like to stand, to actually be in his presence for the first time and to stand before him. And his unapproachable light, 
which we'll be able to approach because we're covered in the blood of Jesus. But not even being able to imagine how great his works are. It says the world declares the glory of the Lord. The universe declares his glory. And, you know, I was talking to the Lord and I was just thinking and I was like, am I ever, were you ever going to get to see all this? And, you know, and it's possible, but one of the things that I really felt was it's, you know, it's funny because it wasn't made for us. The universe, all things were made by him and for him and through him. And, you know, the entire universe is a display of the father and son's love. The the universe is almost like a like the fruit of their relationship together. And you know, and, and it's sort of interesting because like in science they teach you um that They, I mean, they teach you that like light can only travel so far, and so the universe is. I mean, the edges of the universe are so far away we can't even see them. And there's this certain point where, no matter how powerful a telescope we actually have or could come up with, light could never travel from so far to here in the time that the the I mean, universe has even existed or the Earth has existed. And past this point, they call it like like it's like the edge because light that has is past that because the universe is always expanding and we don't know what's going on on the other side of this or how far it goes. And, um, but there's so many things that we'll never see. And, and it's because it's for him. Um, it was all made for him. Everything is for him. So we're going to go into another song, and then we will be right back. Mercy, mercy, mercy 
It's been a long time And I'm hungry So I wait in the stillness again And I wait in the quiet again But when I heard your voice When you said my name When I heard your voice
So welcome back, everybody. Um, my closest best friend outside of Jesus, Chris Herzog, well, and my wife, let me say that, and my wife. Uh, <laughs> next in line, uh, one of my closest friends, Chris Herzog, is here with us to also speak and with the insights of the Lord's heart. Are you there, Chris? Yeah, I'm here. It's all yours. Sean? Yeah, uh, it's all yours. Well, you know, after that, I don't really know where to start except to say this. You know, one of the things that you touched on as you were just sharing with everybody tonight, uh, you talked about the watchman on the wall and that watchtower and uh, talked about the warfare a little bit. And, you know, one thing I was thinking about is that, you know, the Bible says we're in a battle that this is a war, that we fight a good fight, and it's a fight of faith. But, you know, something we have to realize is when we are in this battle, you know, the authority that we have that Jesus gave to us, you know, he said that he has given us all authority over all the power of the works of the enemy, and that nothing by any means will hurt us. And sometimes we look at that and we think about that and we see certain people that, you know, maybe are in certain positions, what we call the fivefold ministry, you know, pastors, uh, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles. And so we think that these are the guys and the, the women and the men that are running around that have these special anointings or these special giftings. And, and by some rights, they do have special anointings and special giftings. But, you know, Jesus said that the same spirit or in the word it says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And one thing that I really appreciate about what you shared with us tonight is that you focus everything on a position and in a place of intimacy with the Lord. You know, a place of one on one. You touched on Moses, you know how the Lord said he was gonna talk to Moses like he speaks face to face with a man, you know, that he would be with Moses wherever he went. Jesus, you know, prayer to the Father was that the disciples would be one even as he and the Father were one. And the, the prayer that he gave us to pray, which we call the Lord's Prayer, starts out, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. And so these concepts of intimacy really define our identity, really define our position in him. And so I was I was just kind of soaking that up tonight as you were sharing that, you know, we're in this war, and we have been given, uh, if you will, weapons of warfare. We've been given our marching orders, so to speak, but not necessarily like some general, you know, just spouting out all these orders that we're to carry out, you know, necessarily. But it's more like a loving father that's sharing his heart, that's sharing instructions, that's teaching from a place of love, that's teaching from a place of experience, that's teaching and affirming us constantly in the things that we're to go forward in. And when we go into this warfare, when we go into that position of standing against the enemy, uh, we become those watchmen on the wall. It's out of that place of authority that Jesus gave to us. But we can only truly walk in that authority when we understand our identity in the position that we're in with him. And so, you know, I was just kind of reminded when you 
touchstone to watch them down the wall. You know, God is in this last hour raising up intercessors. He's raising up prayer warriors. He's raising up people that'll stand in the gap. And like you said, they're not going to hold their peace night and day. There's a continual incense, a continual burning, a continual, uh, you know, sacrifice going up to the Lord, if you will, that he's desiring and that he's instilling in people and, and people are all over the world. You know, we've got places like IHOP and places like the Upper Room and we've got people that are even people that we don't know, nameless, faceless people that are in their prayer closets, you know, at home or in their car or in their churches, wherever they are, that are constantly getting before the Lord. And it's not necessarily out of a place of obligation. It's not out of a sense of legalism or I have to do this, but it's God touching people's hearts. You know, it says that the goodness of God leads us to repentance, and it's the kindness of God and the mercy of God that draws us to Him. And so as we're drawn to Him, and as He begins to share with us and love on us, as we experience His presence and His peace, you know, it, it drives us, it, it motivates us, it, it does something inside of a person when they experience God and they feel the touch of God, and they feel the affirmation, the love of God affirming them and building them up, it, it makes you want to. It's not necessarily I have to, you know, but it's I want to. And so God is drawing people to become these watchmen on the wall, to become these prayer warriors, these intercessors, these people that will stand in the gap for their family, for their friends, for their coworkers, you know, whoever it is. But we come in from a place of identity, and we can only truly have that identity in him, like what you were talking about tonight, Sean, when we have a relationship with him, when we have intimacy with him, when we spend that time in his presence, and we spend that time lining up with his word, looking into what he is saying, not only the logos, what we call the logos word, which is the written word, but also what he's speaking to the hearts of his people in this hour, which of course lines up with the word. But you know, God wants to speak to us. God wants to talk to us. God wants to communicate and commune with us one-on-one. And the way we go into that is, is from that place of our father, that place of identity, realizing we're his children, and he is truly our father. And so when we come into that place of knowing him as father, we come into that place of my identity is in him. But we only truly learn what those things are. We only truly get to know what those things are when we spend time with him. We begin to dive into his word and we find out these, you know, a lot of times we call them promises of God or the treasures of God or the blessings of God. We get we get to dig deep into that word and we begin to personalize the scripture, we begin to take it to heart and realize that these words were not just for, you know, a, a culture of Jewish people two or 4,000 years ago, although some of them were specific words, but these promises and these affirmations and some of these things that God was speaking in his word are actually for his people for today, they're for me, they're for you, they're for everyone that's listening everyone that's calling on his name, everyone that's reaching out to him, so 
father, be a father. I choose to be your child. And there's a lot of people probably that will hear this tonight or on a replay or a rebroadcast, and maybe they're thinking, well, I don't really know God as Father. I don't really know God like that. Yes, I, I, I go to church. Yes, I, I study the Bible, but it, it's never been real. It's never been an experience. It's never been personal. It's just been, you know, a, a teaching or it's been an idea or an ideology but I've never had an experience with God. I've never felt God's affirmation in my life. I've never, you know, experienced God as Father. And so I just want to say this real quick. I want to preface everything that Sean said and everything that I've said. In order to have intimacy with God, in order to experience God, you've got to give your heart to Him. You've got an altar or... You know, if we don't pray a certain way, then it, it didn't take. Then God's really not our Father. But, you know, God is looking for hearts that are wholly His. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, looking for hearts that are wholly His. And so tonight, if you're listening, or today, whatever time of day it is, wherever you are listening, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't really know God like that. Stop and take a minute and search your heart and take this time to to lift your heart up and say, God, I want to know you as Father. I want to know you as my friend. I want to have a relationship with you. And part of that, you know, we, sometimes we use the word repentance. It seems like such a scary word or such a you know crazy word, you know, like God's got to stick and we've got to repent for all this horrible, you know. And in some senses, that, that's true because, you know, if we continue in our sin, it does have consequences. But God is rich in mercy. He's rich in love. And he's constantly reaching down to us so much to the point that he sent his own son to come down. God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit. And in truth, and what that means is we can understand in our heads the truth, but at some point we need to apply the truth and we need to personalize that truth. We need to receive that truth on a personal level. And spirit means heart to heart, that we allow his spirit to connect with our spirit and renew us on the inside. We use the term born again. Recreated, regenerated. You know, these are just terms, but more than just terms, this is an experience that God wants us to have so that He can truly become our Father. And so, wherever you are listening, take a minute and humble yourself and reach up to God and just ask Him, God, I want you to be my Father. And whatever it is in my life that has disconnected me from you, Whatever it is that's happened in my life that has put a wall between me and you, Lord, I, I turn away from that. Lord, help me get free from that. Lord, help change that in my life so that that wall is broken down, so that disconnect is gone and, and I'm connected to you. And allow God to come into your life. Give him control. You see, we're always taught that 
you know, we, the world likes to teach, you know, we do what's good for us. Be your own boss. You're your own, you know, you're in control of your own destiny. And I will say this, what you do has consequence. What you do has whatever action you take has a reaction somewhere in the universe. But ultimately, God is a sovereign God that is in control. And what he wants is for you to give your life to him and allow him to come in and take control. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to be the master of your destiny. Every bit as much as he wants to be your friend and every bit as much as he wants to be your father. But it's about turning over our will and saying, Father, your will be done. Father, your kingdom come. Lord, forget my plans, God, because usually what we plan, honestly, I can tell you from experience, what I've planned out throughout my life never really happens the way that I planned it. But the good thing about God, he says, I know the plans I have for you. And his plans actually play out the way he plans them. And so if you'll begin to ask God for his plans and his purposes to begin to consume your life and begin to guide and lead your life by his spirit, which is the spirit of Christ, I'm telling you that, you know, I'd like to say, you know, uh, a magic wand will be waved over you and everything will be better the minute you pray the prayer, the minute you ask God to come in. But the reality of it is, is life is hard and this world is dark and things get crazy and stuff happens. But the good thing is, is no matter how dark it gets and how crazy it gets and no matter how much stuff happens, you've got a God in heaven, a Father that loves you, a Savior that died for you, a Holy Spirit that's here in the earth that wants to be your comforter to lead you and guide you through the darkness and bring you light, to take you through your circumstances and meet you in the middle of your circumstances and deliver you out of trouble. He says he's an ever-present help in time of need. So even though there's stuff that we're going to walk through, guess what? We don't have to walk through it alone. We don't have to walk through it alone. Because we have a Heavenly Father. If we choose to come into the family of God, if we choose to give ourselves to Him and allow Him to be Father, if we ask Him to be friend, if we yield ourselves up to Him and turn our will over and let His will be done and let His kingdom come, the same prayer that Jesus told us to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll stop with that part of the prayer. But that's what that is. That's turning over our will to his. That's coming into a relationship with him. And then taking it a step further and continuing in that relationship. Well, how do we do that? By finding out what he's saying. By pouring our hearts out to him. Because he's a good listener. But more than a good listener... He's a good father that gives good advice and gives good wisdom. And so take a moment tonight, wherever you're at, and maybe you know him as father. Maybe you know him as a friend. Maybe you know the Holy Spirit, but there's things in your life that you're walking through that you just really need God 
to get into the middle of your situation. Turn it over to him. Turn it back over to him. Check your heart and ask him to come in and work in your heart to bring you into a closer, deeper, more intimate fellowship with him. You know, that's why we take the time to get on the air when we do get on the air. It's not for us, but it's really for him. It's really for God. It's really to create a space on a radio show to say, God, this is your time. So whatever you want to do here, which is why we have worship, because we take that time to honor and acknowledge God and to hallow his name, to make his name great, and to pour out our our gratefulness to him and let him know that we're thankful. You know, worship can correct your focus. When, When your focus is skewed and you can't see straight and you're walking in darkness and you need light, there's something about worshiping, humbling yourself before the Lord and worshiping God and acknowledging God and being thankful and grateful to God for the things he's done in your life that actually turn God's heart to the place where he wants to continue to do for you. It's just like any other relationship. You know, if you do something for somebody and they don't show any gratefulness, if you do something for somebody and they're not very thankful, it makes you want to sort of back up and not continue to do those things. But when you do something for somebody and you show something to somebody and they act grateful, they act thankful, they reciprocate with gratitude, it makes you want to keep doing for them. And we're just people. The Bible says that if your father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more does your heavenly father? And some of us have had good dads. Some of us have had horrible dads. But God is a good, good father. And when we begin to come in to that place of fellowship with him and we begin to honor and hallow him, then he really wants to pull for us. And even in those times when we don't do that, he's still such a good father. He still wants to pull for us. And that's the amazing thing about God and his grace and his mercy and his love towards us is that even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so Prayer International and this broadcast on Blog Talk Radio is first and foremost for the Lord to say, thank you, God. This is for you. Do whatever you want to here. But on the flip side of that, it's for whoever's listening. It's for whoever needs to get connected or reconnected or closer to the Father in Heaven. So I I just wanted to to share my heart a little bit tonight Kind of expound on a few things that Sean said And I don't know if I did a real good job of that Because after the things he shared tonight It's hard to follow something like that But the good thing is, is that God is for you God is for us And the Bible says if God be for you No one can be against you And so make a choice to turn to God. Make a choice to go deeper with God. Make a choice to to give those places in your life, those places in your heart, 
those places in your mind. Sometimes we have wrong mindsets, and that keeps us from receiving God's best. But turn those things over to the Lord. And if you don't know how, ask Him to help you. If you don't know how to pray, ask Him to help you how to pray. If you don't know how to give things to God, say, Lord, help me. If you don't even know how to have faith, ask Him to help you with your unbelief. These are things that throughout my life I've had to do time and time and time again. But what we're saying tonight, what Sean is saying tonight, is that you've got a Father that loves you. What I'm saying tonight is that you've got a Father in Heaven that wants to be with you and wants you to draw closer to Him. You know, the Word says that if you draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. If you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. So as you draw near to the Lord, just ask him. Just ask him to be closer to you. Ask him to be nearer to you. And as you get close to God, he'll begin to pour his heart out to you. He's a reciprocating God. See, you reap what you sow in the kingdom. When you pour your heart out to God, guess what? If you'll take the time to listen, he'll pour his heart out to you. And Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of his mouth. So if we can, let's pray. And then we'll we'll go back into a little worship song and probably wrap it up because I know it's getting close. Sean, are you there? I'm still. Yeah, I'm still here. Do you want to pray? Do you want me to pray? How do you want to go with this? We can both pray. I don't know. Um. <sighs> Father, for Chris and his wife Tracy and my wife Rebecca and everybody who's listening to this broadcast, um, whether they're listening live right now or they're going to pick up this broadcast and listen like 20 years in the future or late at night, um, wherever they're at and the world father from the Americas to Africa, to Zimbabwe, to Australia, to Russia, to China, to Japan, to Taiwan, father, you see all your children, Father, and your heart longing for fellowship with them. Father, you have made a way. It says we have to have boldness to come before your presence. Father, that you would take us into that secret place with you, Father, that you would turn our hearts to you, Father, turn our eyes to you. Turn our thoughts towards you, Lord. Begin to open up our ears, our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes, Father. Begin to let us see you as you are, Father, so we can know what we are. Because, Father, our identity rests in you. It says we are hidden in you, Lord. Let our lives be hidden in you, Father that we can go out into this world and declare your glory to this world, Father, not for us, not for 
not for our names to be grave, Father, but, but we can declare that the name of Jesus, declare that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, for Jesus, you have the name which is above every name that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. Father, and I pray for everybody listening, Lord, that you would give them the boldness to go out and to speak your word in season and out of season, Father. Lord, that you would give them boldness, Father, to declare your word to the nations, to, root, to cast down strongholds, Father, to declare the name of Jesus, Lord, that signs and wonders would follow them. Father, that you would be glorified in everything we say or do, Father. That you, Jesus, oh God, would be glorified. So I'm going to, we only have like nine minutes left. um, So we will end this with worship and then we will see you on our next episode, everybody. Hey, Sean. Hear the voice. It's the voice of the one I love. He's calling my name. I hear you calling me, Jesus. I hear the voice. The voice of the one I love. He's calling my name. Can you hear him calling you? He's saying. Become my joy.